You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church God's House of Prayer located in Fairborn, Ohio. This morning, I want to first start off and talk a little bit about, before we get into the sermon about America and forgiveness, I would be remiss if I did not mention this today as we uh, sang that song. That's the song I've been uh, singing in my head all week long. Um, I'm not sure uh, how much or how closely that you've been paying attention to things that are unfolding in our nation and around us. But to understand it, we really have to understand uh, big picture items, big things in America. Now, most of the folks in this room will remember back to the late 1980s. Uh, there was a certain preacher out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and he had a problem, right? He had a little bit of a scandal. And there he is in 1988, uh, Jimmy Swaggart, and he's confessing his sins before his church and ultimately the nation, the media as a whole. Uh, they're pretty, they were pretty severe then. And we're not going to uh, put uh, Brother Swaggart on trial this morning, you know, uh, 30-something years later. But you have to understand that. It's one of the ways you can understand what happens in America and the American people about forgiveness. Uh, if you confess your sins, like it says in the Bible to God, we know that God will forgive you. Uh, but it's also true that most of the time, the American people will also forgive you to some degree. Now, that rings true because even after the public scandal that happened in 1988, again, there was another one uh, a couple years later in the early 90s, and uh, Swaggart went through this process. He confessed those sins at those points, and you can still, if you search through your channels, Swaggart's still on television today. And that's a, a testament to the forgiveness of America. Now, I'm not, we're not getting into what he did and, and all that. Should he be on TV? That's a, that's a different topic and really not for us to discuss. Uh, but it's to understand the process in America. Now, uh, most, when I say the word Watergate, most of the people in this room will remember Watergate. Uh, some of us are, are not quite that old, but we've read some things and we've heard some things. Now, today, all these years later, it's been, what, almost 50 years since Watergate took place. If you ask people what Watergate was, I would venture to guess that not many could give you the details. They don't remember. They'll tell you it was a cover-up. That's... That's the word. That's the key word. It was a cover-up. What Watergate started out as um, was a break-in instigated by Republicans. And it started how the, how the um, investigation got started is a security guard noticed a piece of duct tape on a door. And that started a chain of events that led to the resignation of the President of the United States. Okay, because people kept seeking truth and justice along the way. 
Now, what Nixon did, nobody really seemed to care, and nobody really remembers that Watergate was really a burglary. What we remember is the fact that Nixon covered it up, that he lied about it, that he would not confess his sins, he would not confess his faults before the American people. And his future did not go the same way as Jimmy Swaggart's future, right? There was no comeback for Nixon after Watergate. There was uh, political exile. He went off to California and did a couple interviews, but nothing really after that. So where we stand in history today, and when I, I kind of chuckled when I said troublesome times are coming this week, if you only watch the evening news, then you may not be fully aware of what will happen on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday will come January 6th, and I will argue, whether you like it or not, that Donald Trump will be the most powerful man, mortal man, that has ever been on the face of the earth. And the reason I say that is he has all the power that comes with the office of the President of the United States, plus he'll have about a million people just outside the building that are, are going to be hanging on his every word. So you and I need to pay attention to what's happening. It will have ramification that echoes down through the ages, uh, what happens there on January 6th. We need uh, to pray. No matter how you feel about those events, the reality that there will be that much power in one mortal human being uh, demands that the church pray for that process, demands that the church pray uh, for the people that are involved, that God's will is done. And we can see this. This will not be about fraud. It will not be about a break-in. It will be about a cover-up. And I want you guys to understand that. That's what will really be. Uh, that's, that's what they'll talk about on the 6th. They'll start out talking just like they did in Watergate about a burglary, about a crime. But it will eventually lead to talk of the, the cover-up that happens after that because that is the unforgivable sin to the American people. Uh, that's what causes a million people to show up in Washington. Now, the other reason that I'm mentioning this today is not to uh, draw attention or things there or to give publicity to it, but there's a reality. This is not a million people that are gathered so that their voices are heard. These are not a million people that are coming from all over the United States to gather in Washington so that someone notices them, so that they get their point across. This is a protest and a gathering that is coming for activity, right? They are notably going to stop what they perceive to be as the steal. So you and I, like I said, we need to pray uh, and we need to be watching uh, we can rest assured that God's in control, but these will be like times that you and I have never seen before. Uh, I, and if, you, if you've kept up with this, you'll know about uh, Brian Kemp in Georgia. Now, Brian, Brian Kemp, rather, wherever your opinions lie, the best thing to understand what's happening in our country is look at Brian Kemp. He's the governor of Georgia. He's a Republican. He's really just standing there. He has done nothing. 
his approval rating in Georgia now, as we speak, is in the single digits. And the reason for that is there is a perceived cover-up. And the American people are, are quickly, especially the people of Georgia, are turning on him because of that. Uh, As the people of God gather today, we have to pray for this process, pray for the people that are involved in it. Um, Like I said, I don't know what will happen. I don't don't know exactly. I I think that uh, God will work for the deliverance of this nation through Israel is my personal belief, but you can... We'll know that later on in the week. But the I do know, enough to know, that um, it is time for God's people to actively seek the Lord and to actively be doing things to change our communities for the better. And I don't know if you've realized that or not, but we live in a time where we've been sitting inside the church for years and years and years and praying and singing and preaching. And it's been a good time. I enjoy that, right? It's wired in us to praise the Lord. Uh, But when we leave the doors of this church and we go out into the world, time has went by. Um, The CDC released, the Centers for Disease Control released a press release deal the other day where it talks about the uh, COVID-19 and how it affects pregnant people. Now, if you're really paying attention to that, there is no such thing as pregnant people, right? There are pregnant women. This is absolute nonsense. But yet, while we've been in here, that's the way the world's turned. That the CDC, a government agency, now talks about gender things as if you can choose them, which is complete nonsense, right? Only females are pregnant. That's how God has designed it. Uh, And it's time for you and I to stand up and not accept the nonsense that we see the world uh, partaking in. Now, we as a group, um, I'm very thankful uh, that we've worked hard, that we've seen uh, 4,001 meals delivered or distributed into our community. I'm very thankful for that. It took a lot of hard work. It took a lot of effort. Um, we also were able to do that, I'm very proud to say, for about a dollar and a quarter a meal. So that too, and it wasn't bad. Normally for a dollar and a quarter a meal, you get like jail food you know, green bologna and uh, watery beans. But uh, the food over there for a dollar and a quarter wasn't too bad uh, throughout the year. So I'm thankful for that. But there's more to do going forward. As we go into 2021, the church has to start moving. And for that, open your Bibles with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 16. And we're going to approach these passages in a way that I'm not sure that we've ever done before. And we will learn what we can learn from the people in hell. 
I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. Now, you and I are very much on the same page that hell is a real place, uh, that it's not a temporary holding place. It's not a figurative, descriptive place that we find in the Bible. It is a real place. And let's read about that. Stand with me when you get there. In Luke chapter 16, we'll start in verse 19. The Bible says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, I If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us, for the chance you've given us uh, to assemble. I pray you anoint me to preach the message you've given, anoint ears to hear, hearts to understand. Draw us each closer to one another as you draw us closer to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, we're all familiar with that portion of Scripture. It's been preached from many, many times, but this morning I want to learn. I want us to learn together and reason together what we can learn about hell from these verses. Now, the obvious things have been preached for decades and decades, a lot longer than that, that hell's real, that it's permanent, that it's not pleasant, right? It's a place of torment and a place of punishment. Uh, it is a forever place in our, from, our, from our mortal vantage point. Now we, later on in the year, we'll get into Revelations, and we'll talk a little bit about what God does with hell and that sort of thing. Uh, but the end result doesn't change for people in hell, right? Now, oftentimes, this... Very real information about hell is preached in a way to 
make it sound as if we don't want to go there, which is true. There's nothing wrong with that. However, hell is not a place. Um, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Heaven, uh, which we understand is that those are the two places, heaven and hell. And heaven and hell have been preached in a way uh, that heaven is described as a place for people who do not wish to go to hell, and that simply is not true. Heaven is a place for those that love God. Amen. Heaven is a place for those that have a relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Heaven is a place for those that have been redeemed and forgiven and born again. Hell is a place uh, where, I would argue, where people send themselves. That's right. Amen. Right? Hell is what's left over. When you live your life void of the Lord, when you live your life away from God, away from his blessings, away from that relationship, God allows you to go into eternity with those same choices in a place that's void of his uh, provisions, from his love and from his mercy. If you look into what the rich man wants, he's in hell now. If you can wrap your mind around that, he's tormented in these flames, and he wants two things. He wants mercy, and he wants evangelism. He wants mercy, and he wants evangelism. Those two things are the only real important things on this earth. So important that they transfer also through the gates of hell. You and I just went through the Christmas season. We've just through, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. And I promise you, if the news media and them have anything to do about it, this pandemic's just getting started, right? It'll go on and go on. We've been through a lot. And it, we've started to weigh in our own lives what's important. And you hear people talking about it, and um, it's not a bad thing, but if you really read through the Scripture, you'll understand that there is only two things that's important in this life, mercy from God and evangelism. When he talks about uh, Moses and the prophets here, he's talking about the people of God. Uh, Moses and the prophets do not exist on earth any further but the people of God do. And we're responsible for carrying this evangelistic message. Right? The rich man doesn't. Uh, once they discuss mercy, then nothing else matters except evangelism. He doesn't have a message for his family. Uh, there's no uh, final goodbye recorded in this scripture. He doesn't tell them. Uh, to tell his brothers what he always thought about them or that he wishes he could spend more time with them. There's nothing of that here. He simply wants them to know the Lord. He wants them to have a relationship with God. He wants them to be told uh, of a Christ that died for them. And that is very clearly in here our responsibility now, again, we're not Moses and we're not the prophets, but we are the people of God and we're the caretakers of that gospel message. Amen. It's our responsibility to carry it out, to do something with that. 
And that is our goal, and that is our cause, and that is what draws us together. It's what makes us operate as one. It is the end result of everything that we do. If we can sit back and prioritize our lives in a manner which focuses on these things, evangelism and mercy and closeness with God, I promise you 2021 will be much, much better. Right? 2021 will be much, much better. There is, uh, we touched on COVID-19. Uh, that's a, it's a real thing. The idea that it's made up is, is lunacy. Um, we know more about it than we did. Uh, we are told something different about it every day. Yeah, right? And nobody is exactly sure what to do. But I do know this. Uh, it can be deadly. We've seen that within the people we know. We, we've seen that with our own eyes. That's not up for debate any further. However, um, as we learn more, as the vaccines come out, uh, the one thing I do know is that it will be here to stay for a long time unless the Lord miraculously intervenes. And uh, the reason I say that is because of how things are unfolding in our nation. Just about the time the vaccine comes out, then a new strain comes out. I don't know if you've been following that. Uh, that's the same way the flu has operated for decades and decades, where uh, we have the flu vaccine, but it mutates a little, and that vaccine is no longer um, efficient against it. And I, I suspect the same thing will come to pass with this. But that does not, even COVID-19 or whatever they're going to call the next one, it doesn't lessen our responsibility as the people of God. It doesn't change our work. It doesn't change our efforts. We might have to find new ways to do it, but the effort is still there. The work is still there. The church still rolls on. So in the coming year, we'll do things a little different. We're going to operate in a way uh, where we expect the, the virus to stay, and we expect to be socially distanced, and we expect to be masked up. Uh, we're going to I have a few events. We're going to bring out a tent uh, this year and do it that way because the message still goes on, right? Mm -hmm. While we are in our uh, houses and sequestered, uh, people still die. People still go to hell. People still need to hear the gospel. People are suffering and dying and, and lost and undone, and we are the keepers of that message. So in 2021, we've, we've got a lot of things planned uh, that'll be a little different, but uh, the, the work continues. We also will be supporting some missionaries in the Philippines. I'm very excited about that. They're lovely people. Uh, they'll be over there for four or five years. I can't remember. I'm looking at Mark, but I don't think Mark knows either. Four or five years, they'll be over there for a while, and we've, we've pledged to support them, uh, which I'm excited about. 
We'll be doing more things online, but we'll be doing them in a different way. Watch for that to change. I know that some folks are technically with us. Some folks are not, and either way is okay. We can help you out if you wish to partake in some of that. It's not hard. We can get the devices and stuff to you. Just let me know. But again, in the world that we live in where we have pregnant people, think about that, pregnant people, we also have the social media things that we've come to uh, use and and part of our life have started to uh, become very censored. Uh, they're doing things just uh, if you're really watching it. So that will change. We're going to move to uh, a different platform so that we pay and that we own uh, all of our recordings, all of our video, and all of our teaching will can will not be taken down from us. There will be nobody... Uh, flipping switches or pulling levers uh, on the General Baptist Church. So uh, be watching for that. Also be praying. Um, And just be trusting in the Lord. I don't want you to get worked up. Uh, You don't need to be reading the book of Revelations every night, but you do need to be praying. You do need to be praying and you do need to be talking. Uh, One to another, reaching out to people. Uh, that are in our church and in our communities, our loved ones, and letting them know exactly what is available to them in Christ, that they can have life and have it more abundantly. Stand with me this morning.